And so, Jesus, we thank you so much for Michael and the gift that he is in his community and across our region. And Lord, may it be that your spirit would rest on him and every word that comes out of him would be aligned with your truth directly out of Scripture. And Father, as he speaks according to your will, may we hear what you would say to each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, man. This one. Um, as many of you guys, uh, I don't know if everybody was here last time I spoke, but it ended with quite the bang. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I I was kind of thinking about it afterwards. I don't know if anybody wasn't here. I uh, passed out while I was preaching. <laughs> so, um, I was thinking about it and I was kind of like praying about it and it's like, God, you kind of like made me the point to my sermon. And uh, does anybody remember what I was speaking about? No, I was hoping that maybe the like falling would like help that, but um, so I was speaking about uh, Emmanuel, God with us, and um, I just kind of want to point out like um, when things happen that are unexpected and like I mean that's pretty humbling, honestly, like being up in front of a crowd, locking your knees and passing out. It's, obviously not what you're wanting to do um but uh god god does not abandon us in those situations and um it's not because god wasn't with me that things like that happen and i just want to say that because i know um kind of lighthearted situations like that um is easy to point out but um, it goes much deeper than that when when people in our lives pass away or when hardship comes we lose our job um, relationships fail and stuff that's kind of the point that I was trying to make is God doesn't abandon us in those situations in in those times um, so I'm going to pray before I get started um, uh, Lord, I just ask for your, your strength this morning. Lord, I really just want to glorify you. And um, I thank you for the opportunity and the blessing that you have given me of being able to speak of your, your truth and your word. Um, I thank you for the heart that you've given me towards you. I ask that um, each one here would receive that same blessing that you have given me. Um, I ask that you would bless this community. Uh, I ask that you'd speak through me this morning. Amen. Um, this morning, we're going to be reading in uh, Matthew, Matthew 21, 7. Um, uh, 
So it says, oops. Well, that is not the verse that I was looking for. <laughs> Can anybody help me out? Does, uh, does somebody know where, it's probably Mark or something like that, but um, Jesus goes into the temple and he, oh, it's just below that. Awesome. There we go. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people, buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even children in the temple shouting praise, uh, shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Uh, haven't you read the scriptures? For they will, uh, for they say, you have taught children. Uh, you have taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany, where he stayed overnight. Um, so uh, the kind of the base of what I'm wanting to talk about is something that God has been put on my heart for a very long time, and that's prayer. I want to go back to that point. In my version, it says a temple, but... I like the version that says, my house will be called a house of prayer. Um, and I used to play baseball when I was in high school. And in baseball, it's a very like mental game. And uh, you can, you get in these things, what we call slumps. And it's when like you're, you just, you're doing really good and then you're not, no reason why. But when that happens, the, the, what you would always do to get out of a slump is you go back to the basics. You go back to your fundamentals, the fundamentals of your swing, fundamentals of your throw, whatever it was that you're in, uh, doing, doing wrong or not doing well in. And so kind of thinking about that, um, as a nation, I would say we're in a slump. Um, and, and also the health of a nation, I would say, is also based on the health of the church. And I would say we also are in a slump. And so with that, um, let's go back to the basics. And so, um, so Jesus says, my house will be a house of prayer, um, if you read the Gospels, Jesus prays a lot. He prays um, about uh, 25 different times, more or less. Different Gospels have the same, um, like, same uh, occurrences. Um, but uh, Jesus prays, and I, when I was younger, I always kind of wondered, like, why did Jesus need to pray? He was... Uh, 
he was God. So, but um, if we understand what prayer actually is, then it makes sense. Like, so Jesus showed example of what his relationship with God before he came down to earth was through prayer, and it was relationship. That's the whole the whole purpose of prayer is relationship with God. And um, prayer is not like listing off line items of things that are wrong in your life that you want better. That's, I mean, if you were, if you had a friend that came to you, every time you saw them, all they did was talk about the things that you could help them with. That would be like, okay, that's weird. Like nobody, nobody would want to be friends with that person. And so when we do that, like with God, it kind of makes, we put our own barrier to actually receiving from him, like just by our upfront kind of like weird way of interacting with him. So um, prayer is relationship with God. And that is the um, the main thing that I want you guys to understand today. It's not like you don't go to prayer just to get something from God. That's not the, I mean, yes, God gives good gifts. Um, Daniel gave a sermon um, at our church once and shared like an example of uh, if you're friends with a baker, it makes sense that sometimes you would get baked goods. Um, we're, we became friends with Eric and, in uh, Monmouth, and he makes donuts. And we get the benefit of donuts a lot. But it's not like our relationship isn't, I want donuts, so now I'm friends. That's not how it works. It's I'm friends and then the benefit. So if we look at that with God, we become like in relationship with him and then the benefit is his blessing and his blessing is amazing and um let's go to luke 11 Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not let us yield into temptation. When, when Jesus was asked, one kind of curious thing about this, the disciples never asked Jesus like, to teach them anything other than prayer. Which is kind of like, the reason I say that is because Jesus healed people and did many miracles in front of them. They didn't ask, them, ask him how to do that. They asked him how teach us to pray. There's something in the way that he prayed that was profoundly different and like 
there was something there. There was weight there. Um, so um, Jesus says, Father. That's how he begins. This is, um, I tried looking this up, but um, I heard it in a sermon a while ago that this, this uh, the, the prayer that he prays was actually based off of a Jewish prayer, but is slightly different. And some key parts is where the way he starts. He says, Father. Um, that's not how Jews ever spoke of God. Um, the Jews so highly respected God's name that it was Y-H-W-H. And uh, it's just all the, there's no vowels in it. And uh, we, we know it as Yahweh. That's the closest thing that we understand to what it was. Um, but they, they so feared the name of God that they didn't even pronounce his name. And then Jesus is saying, Father, like intimate relationship. And uh, the Jews knew God as the God of Moses, the God that by day guided them by a cloud. He was visible, and by night, by a pillar of fire. And he shook the mountains. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like us today where we are very lax with how we respond to God, but don't really see, like, his move, I guess. It was like they feared God because um, one, it's kind of interesting. So in the temple, they would put a rope on the priest's leg because the weight of God, if he wasn't pure, if he didn't go through the ceremonies right, he would die, and they would have to yank him out. Yeah, they, nobody was going in after. They, weren't, they, they didn't want to go in. Uh, so it just shows you the weight of like their understanding of God. They knew God was real, but they didn't know he was relation, relational. Where I think we're kind of miss that he's real, and then because of that also miss that he's relational because he can't have a relationship with somebody you don't believe in, but. Um, so God was, was very real to the Jews, but they didn't realize that he was relational God. Um, and, uh, Jesus, Jesus breaks the barrier of, um, of that relationship and brings us into telling us he is your father and so you are his son. Um, there's a, a quote. I'm reading this book called uh, Red Moon Rising. If anybody loves to read, or I'd, I'd hated to read, so maybe not, but uh, this it's a book about prayer, the 24-7 prayer movement. Um, highly, highly recommend it. Um, this is a quote uh, that they used in the book. It's by John Dawson. Um, it says, even non-Christians pray. The difference is, when Christians do it, it is that we are climbing onto the lap of our Heavenly Father. And so, um, 
one thing like uh in a a lot of like awakenings or revivals have started like if if you kind of track them back to how they started what was the root of it it's like almost always prayer and uh to me it's easy to think when i was younger i was like okay obviously revival is a good thing it brings life into a community there's a lot of um statistical things that are healthy for uh, a country um, in what happens in revival. So my mind goes, okay, so I'm a very like practical person, okay, so I, n I need to pray, but I didn't understand what that actually means. If, it's, if prayer is just listing off items to someone then it there's there's not the weight and connection there um i believe the reason that uh prayer precedes revival is because we become transformed you're like the person that you're with right everybody knows that like the pick your five closest friends and i'll tell you uh who you'll be or whatever we know we know that the people that we're around make us who we are. So if we're not around Jesus, are we going to become like him? We just read about him. That's not going to change you. It, what's going to change you is being with him. So um, the, more, the more we're with him, the more we become like him. There's a, um, there's a verse that's always challenged me. Um, it's when Peter and John um, are being questioned by the priest in Acts 4. It's Acts 4.13. Uh, they had just healed a man, and uh, now he's walking, and he's in the temple. Um, the members of council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I want to be someone recognized as a man that has been with Jesus. And I desire that other people would desire that as well, because I know that's what changes us. It's not like being with Jesus is what changes us. I can work my way. I have tried so hard to work my way into ordering my life, doing right things, but it doesn't work. It's being with Jesus and having your passion, your heart's cry to be with him. That's what changes you. And so I, I just kind of, I know that there's a lot of godly people here. And I know that, like, prayer is something that is a root foundation of most of you guys. But I also encourage, so in... Uh, there's kind of, uh, God has kind of put this on my heart is in, uh, at the end of, uh, when just before Jesus is um, going to be crucified, he's in the garden and he knows he's just bitterly like weeping to God. And he asked the disciples, uh, stay up and watch with me. And, um, 
And then he comes back and finds him asleep. And then he says, couldn't you even watch with me one hour? And uh, to me, I think of like, in war times, you have, uh, there's always somebody on patrol making sure that no enemies crossing your line um, when, when you're in battle. You, it would be foolish to just, all, everybody falls asleep and wake up the next morning. That's how you get overcome. But it, to me, it seems like we don't take that, like, to, it's easy to think of, like, the Bible as just analogies. But when, when the Bible talks us being in a spiritual war, that is not an analogy. That is truth. And so if, we're, if we are um, all falling asleep, then it, that leaves room for our enemy to do great disaster. And so um, kind of a challenge God's put on my heart is wouldn't you even stay up with me one hour? And so I would encourage all of you guys to like take time. An hour is not that long. And I found, um, I found that uh, often an hour is too short because once, once you begin to be in that relationship, it, it is so beautiful that you don't want to leave like your space. Um, one, uh, so I'll, I'll go back to uh, when Jesus, when Jesus uh, is teaching about prayer. It says, then teaching more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, uh, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night, and my family and I are in bed. I can't help you, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for a friend's sake, if you keep on knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your same shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you asked. Uh, keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if you children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if you ask for... If they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask, ask him? So um, I would just say um, I love that part because God gives us permission to be shamelessly persistent. And... Um, there's, uh, there's a book that Watchman Nee has. It's called Let Us Pray. And um, it just talks about, uh, it goes through all aspects of prayer, but one thing I love is the, uh, like, why does God need us to pray? Especially about, like, um, I, get, I get the relationship part now, 
But like, why does he need us to pray about circumstances and things? Because if it's his will, then he's going to do it anyways, right? But it doesn't seem he like why why would we need to ask if he's already going to do it? He knows he knows what we need, and then he's already going to do it. Why do we need to ask? And um, Watchman Nee has this uh, uh, metaphor that to me was like kind of eye-opening, and it's that of so you have a locomotive, this powerful machine, very powerful machine. Can it go anywhere without tracks? It needs tracks. And he says our prayers are the tracks to God's power, which is the locomotive. And so when we pray, we work with God. He, and so in Genesis, uh, God, God made us, and then he, he gave us a job. He could have done it by himself. He fully well could have done it way better than we could have. But he wanted to work with us. It was this co-laboring, working together. And that's what he invites us into now. And so, like, when we, when we pray according to his will, it brings, it brings those tracks so that the, the outpouring of the heavenly gifts can be poured out to that area, whatever you're praying for. So I would encourage you in that. I love Watchman Nee is, like, absolutely brilliant. And um, I would just say there, there are so many... There are so many spiritual people or I guess like saints that have gone before us and we can learn from them. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, so I just encourage you of uh, seeking out in, in uh, teachings and uh, obviously the scriptures. Um, so... Uh, Kind of some practicals. Um, one thing I've learned, um, uh, my friends are very um, passionate about worship. And um, they, uh, one of my friends, Luke, he, he told me this psalm. And it kind of uh, opened my eyes and has brought life to... Uh, my prayer life, it's Psalms uh, 104, and it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, and give thanks to him and praise his name. What I've realized is that is not a metaphor. You literally go into his gates thanking him and praising him. That is, that is, there are so many things in the Bible like that that are just like keys that unlock mountains and mountains of revelation and bring you deeper into Christ. So I would say just when you are... The thing is, so it's easy to, it's easy to be encouraged to pray when everything's going all right. It's not so easy when everything's going wrong because it seems like the prayers that you have spoken were unheard or ignored, and that hurts. Um, 
There's a in Acts 12. Uh, I think it's uh, yep. Acts 12:1. About that time, King King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When he heard, uh, when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned uh, him, placing him under the order of, uh, of guards, four squads, uh, four soldiers each. The uh, Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very eager, very earnestly for him. As you go on in that story, Peter's released by an angel, um, and he, uh, he ends up going to the place where they were praying for him, and they uh, didn't believe that he could actually be freed, and so they ignored him and left him at the door knocking. It's pretty, I don't know, I think that's pretty funny. It kind of shows of like our belief of God actually pulling through sometimes is a little bit uh, human-like and not not very faithful. But um, to me that story is, is, I love that story just because I love anytime God intercedes and um, does miraculous things, I love that. But then I also love the part about the church praying because James had just been killed. They had prayed for James, undoubtedly. So they just had a brother die, yet they're still praying. for. So I just want to push you into if things are hard, don't give up. That's just just because things like and I don't say that lightly at all. Things things have not been easy. And when you press in, miracles do come. So so don't so don't don't be discouraged because in this time things have not been going right. Keep on praying. I love um like I said, I love that Jesus teaches us to keep on persisting. Um, kind of to close this up, um, go back to the basics. When you're in a slump, go back to the basics. Let us pray. Let us be on fire for Jesus. That is how we come to know him. In John 17, Jesus is praying and he says, this is eternal life to know the Father and His Son whom He sent. To know, that is eternal life. I mean, you can go into depths of whether somebody's saved or not because they said a prayer or not. That, to me, when, once I read that verse, I was like, done with it. I want to know Him. That is, that is life, when we know Him. So, yes. Um, Relationship with Jesus. That is what we need. Climb onto the lap of your Heavenly Father and thank Him. Then keep on asking, keep on seeking, 
keep on knocking. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. That is a promise. I want to end with this. Um, this is, uh, while I was reading that book by watching me, this caught my attention and totally convicted me. Jesus says, my house will be a house of prayer. So that begs the question, whose house are you? Let's pray. Father, we desire to know you, to know your spirit, to know where you're moving. Lord, there's so many things that are wrong in our, our culture, our nation, even our families. We ask that you would come heal our land, heal our hearts. Let us know you. Let us be a light for you. Lord, we do ask for revival right now. Lord, I just ask that you would bless each person here. I ask that you would uh, put a seed of desire to know you, to grow closer. Lord, I know that we can all grow closer to you. It'll never stop. I thank you for this opportunity that you've given me. I ask that uh, each seed of faith that you have sown today would grow and flourish. Thank you again. Amen.